Welcome to the podcast about taking your love for cars and showing you the possibilities. I speak to CEOs, racing drivers, content creators, and people I find interesting. I started my passion for cars, racing go-karts at a junior level, and when that didn't turn into a career, I spent more time than most planning what I could do. Failed attempt after failed attempt, I landed on this podcast to share people's failures and successes, to give others the best chance to hear what is possible with your passion for cars. Now, whether you're 13 and wondering what jobs are out there for me, or 30 and asking yourself, am I doing the right thing? Let my guests be your guide for turning a passion for cars into a purpose. Running that thing, but again, it wasn't because I wanted to, I was, I was just good at it. I felt like I was falling into this trap of doing it because I'm good at it rather than because I, I want to. I suffer a little bit of anxiety and stuff like that. And I was under uh, an awful lot of pressure. And I went through spells at school where I was passing out. No one could figure out what it was. And I do feel like a lot of my time was wasted. You know, it doesn't happen to people like me. It goes back to that. You know, I, I'm not the person that can create a business. I'm a, I'm a good employee. So Yes, I've spent several years working all of these roles that I didn't enjoy or want to do. But now I have a fundamental understanding of all of that. Year one was sort of survival. Let's get through it. Year two, defining our proposition. Year three, now it's just been about, right, let's let's hammer it. We want to be the leading automotive video production company. Yeah, uh, we had over 75 million views on our content that we could quantify. So yeah. that could have been over a hundred million of stuff we couldn't quantify just keep at it and yeah the opportunities will come and jump on them you know at the end of the day what you want to do it, it's possible it's not easy but if you really want something and you work hard enough i'm a true believer that you can get it instead of this month's episodes being sponsored by a great company giving you something as a thank you for listening i wanted to announce something special ignition is releasing a clothing line this clothing line is something that we've been working on for quite a while now and behind the scenes been figuring out how could we give back and the way we want to give back is give designers 30 percent of everything that's sold so if you buy a t-shirt 30 percent of the profits from that t-shirt will go directly to the artist it's just a way for us to show the great and amazing talent that is in the automotive and motorsport worlds. And that means if you do have a design or an idea for a clothing line, give us a message. Email me at harry at ignitionpod.com. That's harry at ignitionpod.com. I'd love to have a chat. But anyway, back to the episode. Oh, and before you go, podcast listeners get 15% off. So check the show notes below for that code for you. First question we start with here is what ignited your passion for cars? Oh, um, well, to be honest, I've actually been into cars since a very young age. Uh, you know, at school, I was the one, you know, drawing the the Subaru Impreza with the 555 livery and everything else. Um, but yeah, I think it come about from my uncle. Um, he always used to have a range of cool cars, um, you know, backed you know various bmws but then the the standout ones is when he went jap and sort of had a few mark four supra twin turbos and stuff like that um so yeah i used to love that when he used to come down so he was based in london we're down in somerset uh, and we used to come down and pick me up from school and stuff you know yeah. everyone bloody loved it um so yeah so i think that kind of got me into it um but equally i think it sort of triggered my love for video as well because he's always worked in uh, the video space for bbc and sky and everything else up in london um so i think that kind of opened my eyes to the video side of things and um 
actually my first ever video project was with him uh yeah. his he had the mark IV supra and they used to do this thing called the dragon ball where they you know on this occasion there was about 70 toyota supras that just go over to a remote village in, in northern france um and yeah he decided that actually was going to create a video on it and then you know it was back in the days when it was all dvds and stuff and create a dvd for all of the the people that went along um so yes that was kind of my first proper video um project that i worked on as well so yeah just kind of i guess ignited the passion for both automotive but also the the video as well and brilliant and so has it always been japanese cars then or was there anything was it like obviously it was the series the first yeah. thing you saw what, what was it yeah yeah, no, I think for me, it was just cars in general. I did, you know, I had a hankering back then for, you know, your, your Civic Type R's and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, when we were younger, uh, you know, pre having driving licenses and stuff like that, you know, I'd always remember the older kids and the close and stuff, you know, we'd get their first cars and we'd just sit in them on their driveways and, you know, browse through the Demon Tweaks catalogue and kind yeah. of, you know, what mods would we buy for our cars and stuff like that. So, um yeah uh but no in terms of you know the the car side of it i've always had quite an eclectic um taste i I suppose with with all things automotive um and yeah i quite like the underdog as well um often go for things that less people are interested in so uh you know when i got my scooter fabio vrs for example i got that because it was diesel and everyone wanted petrol and it was just it was different um you know the bmw 140 again it was just different with the rebel drive and everything yeah. else although that ended up becoming a really popular car um and yeah my current car being the z4 again you know it was a car that divides opinions you either love them or you hate them um and yeah i kind of always go for the, the slightly out the box um you know uh car versus your, your mainstream stuff yeah, why is it then? Because I mean, I'm I'm with you with that because I bought, I think my my second car was Mini Cooper S when everyone was getting BMWs and Audis and Mercedes. So I was like, I'm not going to go for that. I'm going to go for something that's a bit more a bit more off piece. So I'm totally with you. But yeah. but why the underdog? Why the car that stands out? I I don't know. I guess I don't know. I guess just wanting to be a bit different. Uh, you know, like my recent the the Z4 purchase, it was between that or the M2 Comp, and you know, I've got mm. no issues with saying the M2 competition is just a better car. Um, but there was something about the charm of the Z4, its ability to be a bit more of a, a GT car and stuff like that, that just sort of won me over. And I guess it's just, I don't know, just something a bit different. And I guess we're around cars all of the time now. Um, I suppose we'll get on to more of what I'm doing at the moment. But yeah, right now, yeah, they're dead. we're around cars every single day. So it kind of loses a little bit of the, the general appeal. So you, you start looking for, you know, different things in cars um, as opposed to, you know, the quickest one, the one that can do 0 to 60, the quickest, handles the best and stuff like that. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned obviously your uncle getting you into the video space. So we're like at school, were you, were you making videos? Were you like, were you more interested in looking at films so, and stuff? So what was that relationship like with that? Yeah, I mean, it was actually quite slow. Um, I was very academic. Uh, school um, and I, I guess I don't know whether things have changed but when I was at school we didn't get much support in terms of you know what come after school you know it was mm. always about get your grades do this do this do this but there was no real kind of career training or anything like that so you know I I ended up in a space where 
you know, I was good in ICT, I was good in mathematics, and I was sort of almost being pushed into, well, you need to work in IT or you need to be an accountant, you know? Yeah. And whilst I was good at those things, I didn't necessarily enjoy them. Um, so I liked the idea of media and everything else. And we had uh, a media studies course, but I didn't do it because it wasn't, you know, I wasn't encouraged to do it. You know, yeah, you shouldn't necessarily do something you like. You should do stuff you're, you're good at. And obviously maths is important. English is important and all of that. So as a result, I ended up going through school, kind of working for these grades. Um, and it was only really when I got to sort of A-levels that, you know, I just realized I, don't, I didn't want to be doing any of this. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I ended up dropping out of A-levels. I continued doing my business studies. Um, yeah. I just done it from home. Um, and I just went straight out into the world of work and, you know, working for Domino's Pizza, delivering pizzas, uh, warehouses, customer service, sales, you know, you name it. I just went through all of it until I landed in telecoms and technology. Yeah. And uh, I joined uh, Sky um, just as they were launching their broadband and telephone proposition, helped kind of get that across the line. Um, and then later went to another telecoms company where you know, I spent a good chunk of my my career yeah um work my way up in that into product management um and kind of running that thing but again it wasn't because I wanted to I was I was just good at it um and you know again I, I sort of felt like I was falling into this trap of doing it because I'm good at it rather than because I, I want to yeah and you know with that you know I got to a point where uh you know I I suffered a little bit of anxiety and stuff like that and I was under uh, an awful lot of pressure uh, in that job you know it got to a level where you know running almost 30 percent of the the company's portfolio um, and we're talking millions of pounds and you know there's a lot on your shoulders and you know I just thought this just isn't right and I oddly went for I won't name the company but I went for a interview at a local car company um, who had a low-level marketing role um, on offer, but it was in a in a space that I was interested in. Um, so I thought, you know, I'm just going to go along and have a chat. It was more researching the the industry and everything else than you know. There was no yeah. way I could afford to take the pay cut to go and work there. Uh, and I ended up being there. We had this uh, we went one evening for a chat, and I think I was there for nearly four hours. Um, you know, the the vibe from the place was just fantastic, and everything else. And it was just like it was something I was just interested in, you know, like what, what, what could we do with this? And, you know, at the end of the interview stroke to chat, um, you know, he said, you know, what, what do we need to do to get you here? And I said, in all honesty, I said, like cards on the table, I come here just for a chat. And to be honest, it was a bit selfish, but I just wanted to know more about what you're doing and everything else. I said, there's just no way I can afford to work here. Um, but I kind of want to. Um, so we sort of, bashed about a few ideas and stuff and you know what? I, I thought bugger I'm gonna do this we we met somewhere in the middle I did have to take a, a huge pay cut yeah. but I could just make it work and thought you know what I just want to change my life I'm not happy Let, let's give it a go so that was that handed my notes in um, and then four days three or four days prior to starting basically the Friday before the Monday was due to start there I get a phone call from the second director at the company um, who is in tears, basically just saying we, we've got to rescind the, the job offer. Um, I've 
I've messed up. I, I buggered the, the account books up and everything else. They had to let other people go and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> it sucks, but, you know, whatever. I'll deal with it. And sort of put the phone down and straight away, like, my immediate thing was like, you know, shit, what do I do? What do I do? Went and had a chat with my CEO. You know, you're just going to defense mode. It's like, crap, I'm, I'm technically in two hours' time, I'm unemployed. Yeah. Um, so went and had a chat with my CEO, who was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, said that, of course, you've still got a job here. He actually offered me a better package um, and everything else. And I, whilst I sat with him, I was like, no, this is wrong. And I just said, actually, no, I can't accept it. And he's sort of looking at me like, what are you, you know, you've got no job. I'm offering you more money to just stay. Um, I don't think it would be fair because like, I'm in a headspace where, do you know what, if I take this, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And I just felt bad that I would just be taking advantage of mm. the situation. So we agreed that I would just take a, a few months off, um, you know, with no obligation to come back, but my job would be here if I wanted it, um, which, you know, was extremely great of them. And they, you know, they didn't have to do that. Um, so, yeah, I went home that that evening a uh, very awkward conversation with my partner um, but she was incredibly supportive it was like you know just take the time I had a little bit of money to one side to just sort of tie me over um, and then yeah I was just like what what happens next and all the while um, whilst working in this space I had been doing video on the side um, yeah. so little bits for gyms and stuff uh, I used to co-run a car club in Bristol, uh, the Queen Square Car Club. Um, and yeah, I was doing more and more with that. Uh, and I'd met through that uh, Paul from Love Cars. Um, he came along to one of the shoots that we'd done where we had a few AMGs for the day uh, and a runway and stuff. And he came up to that and I met him. And yeah, I was kind of interested in the bits that they were doing. So in the background, I'd been doing the occasional bits of freelance work with with him and his guys. Um, and yeah, again, it was just this eye-opening to this other world, you know, going over to Switzerland to film the launch of the Phantom 8 when that came wow. out. Um, you know, I got to go to the BTCC and interview Murray Walker, you know, uh, you know, it's just like all of these just kind of incredible things yeah. that it's like, oh, this, this is a job, like, um, so we we built up a bit of a relationship anyway. And of course, that weekend, um, I was in the group chat with the, the Love Cars team, just said, you know, what had happened. And that's when Paul just said, Nick, just come and work for us. Um, so I can't afford to pay you much and everything else. But in my head, I was thinking, well, it's got to be more than nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So with that, I kind of joined the Love Cars team. And I think what was attractive from Paul's point of view was the fact that, you know, I'm not the best creative in the world. My team run rings around me, um, but I do have a creative understanding, um, but I've also got the business acumen and stuff as well. And I don't think he'd mind me saying Love Cars, certainly back then was kind of a lifestyle business. Um, it had all this potential um, to, to be so much more. And that's kind of what he wanted me to come in and sort of, you know, really start getting things going. And yeah, so that kind of opened my chapter and, the automotive space in general um and yeah worked with love cars for a couple of years done exactly what 
uh, we'd intended. Um, you know, we got our video production side of the business going um, really well and getting that quite fruitful. We used to look after, you know, Rolls Royce Europe's uh, social account and we used to create all of their content there. Um, and yeah, we grew their channel from about 180,000 um, on Instagram to 2.8 million, I think, by the time I'd finished. Yeah, um, so yeah, some impressive, uh, sorry, impressive um, numbers there. And then we were doing the YouTube channel and then we just thought, bugger it, like we wanted to try TV. Uh, and we managed to source a bit of an investment. Um, and that's when the On The Road TV show come to ITV4. And so that was with Tiff uh, and Paul was kind of the, the headline uh, presenters and then yeah, we had uh, guest presenters as well throughout. Uh, so a series produced that, got that across the line, um, which, yeah, again, you know, for a team that had never done this before, none of us had ever gone to uni for film or TV or any of that. And, yeah. You know, we, we were able to put this together with just the smallest of budgets you've probably ever seen in a TV production. Um, and... Yeah, we, we kind of got to the end of that and it just sort of left me in a kind of state of, okay, now what? Like, you know, we're, we're sort of, we've got this far, what, what's next? And I've always been incredibly kind of ambitious and driven. And yeah, I think at this stage, you know, my goals and aims were starting to differ from, from, Paul and the kind of management behind the love cars thing. So it was at that point I thought, do you know what? Like I keep doing this for other people. Why not have a go at doing it for myself? And um, yeah, I was working with an uh, extremely talented uh, chap who's my business partner now, Tom, Tom Keegan. Um, and between us, we thought, do you know what, with his creative ability, my business acumen, let's, let's just give it a go. What have we got to lose? You know, it, might be that we give it a shot and in a few months time we'd have to go and work at Greg's or something and start again but you know so be it um so yeah so that's when we formulate um incorporated uh centric creative and that was the end of 2020 um so yeah we we left that um then our first trading day was January the 4th uh, 2021 and I remember that because it was the day Boris Johnson announced lockdown free <laughs> um, at which point we're just sat there thinking shit like what have we done <laughs> um, yes. you know leaving stable employment and everything else we decided to start this new company and the whole country has gone into a lockdown and you know we have nothing you know I managed to secure a, a very small uh, investment of 10 grand just to kind of have some buffer in the bank account to make sure we could pay our bills for a couple of months and stuff like that but the reality is you know we started with absolutely nothing I had a, a Sony a7 III Tom had one I had a MacBook we needed to use some of the money to buy him a, a MacBook so he had a machine to edit from um, and yeah and that that was it that was the company so we Got the news, obviously, of the lockdown and again, sort of immediate into defence. What do we do? And I thought, you know what? We've just got to ride it out. We've just got to go for it. We've, we've, we've taken the big plunge. The hard step was actually leaving that security, 
and going for it. Do you know what? This is the first of what will unlike well likely be many roadblocks on our journey. So let's just get on with it. Um, so yeah, fortunately, um, we managed to get some kind of small bits of work here and there. We we maintained a good relationship with Love Cars, so we've done a few projects with them. Um, now, one of the things I would say uh, that a very important lesson for everyone is never burn your bridges. Um, mm. So I mentioned about the job that I ended up not getting because of their financial issues. And, you know, I had every right to be extremely disgruntled about that situation. They put me in a very awkward position. Why um, weren't you? Sorry, Nick, why, why, why weren't you disgruntled? Because I, I think... I'm a great believer in kind of like karma and everything else and what goes around comes around. And you know what? Like I could tell there was two directors. There was one that I'm very good friends with today still. Um, and the other one was slightly younger. I'd say maybe he was just a bit too advanced for where he was um, at the time. And, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And, Yes, I had the right to be annoyed, upset, and everything else. But what what was it going to change? You know, the the situation was the situation. I've made mistakes in the past and wished I hadn't. There's no point punishing that that person. You know, they're already going through it. They've having to deal with a lot more than just me. You know, having to let your actual staff go that you know you've built a relationship with. You know, he would have been going through enough himself. So I always kept it mutual, and you know, they were in an interesting space. And as it transpired, um, they've become one of our biggest clients in the start of Centric. You know, during that yeah. lockdown, they were able to create where well, they wanted to build up this mass resource of content and everything else. And guess who's just started a company? So, you know, it's one of yeah. those, if, if I dealt with that situation back then differently, that relationship wouldn't have existed. And you know what? maybe we wouldn't have had that initial lifeline that we needed during that lockdown period. And maybe I won't be sat here today with, with a company of seven of us. Um, so yeah, never burn your bridges because, you know, and, you know, things go wrong. We're all human. We all make mistakes. You know, there's no point punishing people. It's just learn from them, move on and kind of make the best of the situation. So they ended up, um, yeah, being, very important for us early on we started to build the company up we were able to invest you know we put all of the money back into the company constantly um, tom and i even to this day you know we we take peanuts from this you know it's all about building the company building yeah. the, the the staff and everything else um so yeah and we just started going from strength to strength you know we always wanted to bring that higher level production um at a, a more reasonable budget for people um we continued doing the bits of love cars, started doing stuff with like Supercar Driver, helped Jodie Kidd launch her channel. Um, we already had a relationship with Ben Collins and yeah, I was helping him with his channel and a few of his bits and bobs. And it was growing and growing and growing. Um, but all the while, like, you know, I guess most people in our space will have their ideal client. And mine was always Drive Tribe because to me and maybe selfishly so it was the best chance we were ever going to have to work with the likes of Clarkson Hammond and May you know mm. like that that was the entry point it's in a space we're familiar with and 
I also just saw an opportunity with them at the time. You know, they they'd gone through different iterations and everything else, and they got quite confused. Um, but their YouTube channel started to, I don't know, it almost started to be coming together. And yeah. you know, as a testament to Mike Fernie's work um, by you know honing that in and heading up the the channel, but they started to get like a single voice. They were always doing something slightly different from everyone else. It wasn't the traditional car reviews and everything else. They, you know, they were looking at different angles and it just made it really interesting. Um, and again, I hope they don't mind me saying, but I could see there was an opportunity to up the level of production. It, it, it looked like their production was a bit disjointed you know one video didn't look like the next one that didn't look like the next um and i thought you know there, there's an opportunity here to really kind of tie this together they've got their their voice right let's let's get their visual identity um as well so mike and i flirted for months you know with the the idea of potentially doing some stuff and everything else and he would come to me asking for advice and that and you know uh suggestions for locations and bits like that and this went on for quite a while um and then until one day yeah he he asked if if we'd be uh free to do a shoot um just so happened that particular shoot ended up getting postponed because there was car delays and everything else so i think our first project was actually an edit um for them with tiff and the ami 8 going around um uh, what's it called oh come to me in a bit but um yeah and it was just like oh actually back back to tiff again sort of thing but hey um we'll take it and then it went on to a james may edit um and then we got our first shoot at landau um with with the jp1 and, and yeah. like so it's the first time we probably got to meet see how one another worked you know we were extremely impressed with him you know he'd done all of the the prep um you know he knew what he was saying what he wanted to cover he could just deliver his lines and it was you know it was really really kind of efficient um and yeah that just went from one step to another until yeah before long we ended up you know becoming their sole video production company um which you know was fantastic for us but equally it put us in a position of how do we sustain this whilst doing our other bits and everything else and that's where i guess our second big decision come in where we uh needed to look to employ someone yeah so that you know, entered um, a new phase of the company, uh, put a job ad out and uh, we've got Turner, who's still with us today. In fact, all of our guys that we've employed so far still work with us, which I'm just so yeah stoked about um, because having worked with lots of companies where staff churn is just constant. Um, yeah, hopefully it's because we're doing something right. Um, but uh, yeah, Turner applied and it was quite funny when his application come through that like I'd actually worked with Turner a few years prior um, as part of my car club. He'd done some filming for us then going back um, and I saw his application come in and uh, what was funny but also quite nice was the fact he name dropped me as someone he knew at the company he's applying for, um, which... Yeah was quite quite funny um but it was also it was the first time because i mean when, when you run a business like there, there's no one there's no one there to tell you you're doing a good job there's no one yeah. there to tell you you're doing right or anything else and of course you know i'm 
sat here trying to build a brand and everything else. And this was like the first time that I'd actually seen it come to fruition and that, you know, Turner had got this vision that we were this much bigger company, um, yeah. you know, that I happened to be a part of and everything else and that he was going to be joining. He didn't see us as the Tom and Nick working from their bedrooms. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of that that first glimpse of, hang on, I, this is working. You know, he's seen us as this entity which we're trying to portray ourselves as. Um, so it was the first time that it's starting to work. So yeah, that was quite cool. Um, we, his first shoot was with Richard Hammond, um, which is quite funny. And that was like, like a trial day. Um, but yeah, yeah, we gave him the job after that. And yeah, it's sort of kind of just grown from there. Um, we then had a big uh, job out in the States. Um, it was still during lockdown. Um, so the rules at the time, basically you had to, to get into the States. You couldn't have been in the UK for the previous 14 days. Um, so we had to travel to Canada for 14 days to stay there to then okay. go to the States for a week to get this, this video done. But it's by far, you know, the biggest job up to that point that we'd ever done budget and everything else. Um, but it did leave us with a dilemma because, you know, we had a few commitments back in the UK. There was only Tom Turner and I, and this project out in the States was quite big. We'd need an extra pair of hands. Um, so that's where we then, took on our fourth employee um at the time we come over as a freelancer so it was actually matt who we used to work with um at love cars as well but he'd gone freelance um not too long after us um and yeah it transpired we were pretty much his only client um so at the end of that trip we just like god come join us you know we have like the the team back together kind of thing um and yeah it's sort of grew from there i guess around that time as well we uh got the office so that was another big decision um and the the reasoning behind that was so turner joined us uh, in a junior capacity uh and you know he was very good very good ground and he was taking things on well but trying to train someone over zoom um it's just not the most effective way of doing things not yeah. at all and uh, kind of a bit of a disagreement at the time, I guess, with with Tom and I about whether we were ready for an office. And I just thought, no, do you know what? We need this. We need to be able to get people up to our our level as quick as possible. You know, that is our value. Is you know the work that we're doing. So we took the plunge, and you know, of course, up to that point, we had no real commitments, no financial commitments. You know, everything we had was paid for or was on a rolling 30-day mm. term you know we'd had no long-term stuff so you know I get the reservation you know all of a sudden you know we've got this minimum two-year lease we need to sign up for and you know it's kind of if this doesn't work we're still having to pay that somehow um but we just did it we got on with it and I'm so glad we did within weeks you know the the rate of progression from Turner was just outstanding you know he I think within um, two months of being in the office, like just his ability and being able to absorb the knowledge from myself and more importantly, Tom, you know, within two months, he's producing work better than me already. And it's just yeah. cool. This is a format that's working. Um, and it's something that we then continued, you know, we took on Callum, same thing again, you know, he's followed a very similar trajectory to, to Turner as is Quinn more recently. Um, 
so we've got this format now of not where it, it, it's twofold it's it's getting people in that haven't been trained a certain way of doing things and trying to change it and stuff like that um but it, it's also offering people this opportunity to join you know this this cool company at the end of the day you know we get to do really cool things uh work with some amazing people work on some really epic projects and you know it it's if you asked me 10 years ago if I'd be doing this you know it's just so unreachable like we we don't work with those kind of people we don't get to do that kind of cool that doesn't happen to me um and yeah like we want to share that with others and that's why for me like hiring juniors training them it allows us to kind of sculpt them into you know uh you know our ideal candidates to to deal with the job and do it how we want to do it but it also gives people the opportunity that may not have had you know the the luxury of going to the national school of film and television and stuff like mm. that and having the resource to do that um so yeah um and you know one thing we pride ourselves in is that development side of things you know everyone who's joined here i think would agree that they learned more in a month here than they did in a year in their previous job you know because we are on it but but we're there to support um and yeah you know we we just want to uphold that that level of work and everything else that we associate with our brand um and yeah and then that takes us on to kind of the the most recent recruit um we've got a girl joining us in uh april um and that be our marketing manager um so yeah. one thing that we're not very good at is shouting about what we do and all of the cool stuff that we're we're doing um because it's down to me and it's just trying to carve out time you know when you're running the business you're the hr department you're your payroll you're the accounts your marketing too many hats. You look after the website it, yeah it's just juggling so many plates and it's just getting to a point that actually like we do need to focus more energy into spaces especially marketing and telling people what we do um so yes, we've got someone to come on to to help us with that side and take a little bit off my plate, which yeah, I'm really excited for. That's brilliant, and it's Nick. Oh, it's interesting because if I was to ask like 14 year old Nick, obviously you said you, you didn't mean you wouldn't imagine doing this in 10 years time. But if I was to say like if you went back to those teachers that said do that said do what you're good at, not what you love. If they said do what you love, not what you're good at, do you reckon you would have done this quicker? You would have come to this sooner, or do you reckon it would have been a similar sort of progression in terms it's, of the it's career? So it's yeah, it's so hard to to know. I mean, I do feel like a lot of my time was wasted in some capacity, just trialing this, that, the other. But at the same time, it's it's built me and my confidence and everything else up along with it. So yes, I've spent several years working in customer services. I've worked mm. in sales. I've worked in it, like all of these roles that I didn't enjoy or want to do. But now I have a fundamental understanding of all of that and what's yeah. involved. And, um, you know, in terms of getting a grasp over the, the whole business now, like I have such a good eye for all these things. You know, I'm, I'm not a specialist in any one area, but I know a lot about lots of things. And, yeah. you know, that's enabled me to be, ex you know, extremely diverse and just be able to put myself, you know, the initial website that we had to put up. I was able to do that, you know, um, setting up payroll and everything else do you know what took me 
a day of researching, but because, you know, done my bits of business studies and that sorted that out, keeping an eye on cash flow, oh, done that, you know, it's just kind of all of the stuff. And, you know, I'm pretty much the single person bringing clients in as well. So having done some sales, I hate it, um, but having done some, you know, I, I'm at least able to have those conversations. And I think having the wider understanding across all of it as well it's just built yeah. confidence in general because you know i'm naturally very introvert um and i do struggle sometimes in social settings and stuff like that um but it, it's helped me i guess my self-confidence and believe in myself that you know you you can do this you know i guess there's a bit of imposter syndrome like do i deserve to be here and to yeah. be doing what i'm doing um but I guess the journey I've been on is just like, no, do you know what? You, you've worked, you've understood, and you know, you have, have pushed to get here. Um, so yeah, maybe my path would have been very differently. Maybe it would have accelerated it. I don't know, but I don't think I'd be the same person. Um, and maybe my priorities would be different. And maybe it's my priorities at the moment that's making us seemingly successful versus if i'd come into it with a more arrogant attitude and i know what mm. i want to do maybe it would have been a different story i don't know um but yeah i do the one thing i would say there though is i don't know if things have changed at school but they really need to look at that future element you know it's not just about the grades now so what are you going to do with them what do you want to do and mm. I, I do wish i had that support younger on uh sorry earlier on um but yeah no it's, it's weird because i like I, I only left school well i left school four years ago but um the the advice that i was given was was very much like to be what i wanted to be at the time which was an automotive engineer it was it was or mechanic it was it was um university do that sort of stuff and then come back and I do that but um i don't know what it was my intelligence wasn't where i needed to be or whatever like i've i've led to pretty much similar what you've done with which is hop from job to job learn different things like i did hospitality for a while went to sales so like you say it helps you in those aspects and i can see how that's that's formed you as a person but you mentioned you mentioned having anxiety nick and i wondered like how how starting a company how, how you have you how, how's your journey with that been if you don't mind yeah no definitely well uh, in terms of, like, I've, looking back, I've had anxiety since secondary school, but mm. never knew what it was. Um, and I think it's similar for most people. Like so many people actually do suffer with it, but it's just never been diagnosed. Um, and I went through spells at school where I was passing out and things like that, and no one could figure out what it was. And mm. yeah, now I look back and I know it, it was this, this anxiety. Um but it got to a stage where like I, I've always I, I feel very conscious. Like I have a conscience sorry, and I I feel conscious of like anything I do. Like, if I'm doing anything untoward or anything else, I feel absolutely terrible and I, I have to stop because I just can't can't cope with it. Um and yeah, that sort of I, I guess it got worse and worse uh, as my stress levels increased and in uh, a few former companies when I was in product management. Um, you know, I had a lot of weight on my shoulder there. And I guess it, product management, you're you're kind of at the center of everything. Um, you know, you're you're looking after the sales, you're looking after the accounts, the the product, the marketing, you just the whole whole thing. And the the reason product gets 
paid so well is because you know they they take all of the flack but they don't get any of the 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 kind of rewards you know yeah. if if something does well it's the sales team well done you know they they've sold this product you know not the fact that you've trained the sales team on this product brought it priced it competitively done all of that work no if it sells it's the sales team if they don't sell it it's not the sales team inability it's product not creating a decent enough mm. product or you know so there was a, a lot of stress on that and you you rely on other departments to do stuff so i could put in 150 percent but if the development team for example only put in 50 percent or the sales team only put in 50 percent it's me that's getting the rap for it even though i'm doing everything i can um in that one Christmas, uh, we'd just broken up. It was an exceptionally difficult year. Numbers not where they need to be and everything else. And that's all I could think about. And we're on my way. I think we're on our way home from my uh, mum's house on Christmas Eve. And I just started getting all of these pains in my chest and yeah. everything else. And kind of got over it, got home, uh, was in bed. And then all of a sudden, all I could think about was these pains. And then yeah, I started having this massive panic attack, which I didn't know what it was because yeah. I suffered anxiety, but I never really had a panic attack, or, or at least that I knew of. Um, and it got really bad. Like, I could feel my heart come through. And yeah, my partner rushed me to A&E. And that's that's the first time uh, a doctor had actually given me enough time to say that you, you've had a panic attack. Um, went through, we spoke about, you know, what I'd been doing and everything else. And yeah, that was the first time I was made aware of the whole whole anxiety thing. Um, so since then, I, I've been able to manage it a lot better because I know what it is. I think prior to the diagnosis, like it, I was always scared because I didn't know what was happening. Mm. Um, whereas now I know, you know, I've, I've got my breathing exercises and stuff like that. Um, I can control it a lot better um, and I, I rarely have attacks per se anymore I think I'm over that but I do get anxious and starting a business was bloody hard <laughs> yeah. um, because I guess it's your whole security blanket gone you know if if you don't well that do well that's it there's no oh you're in a probationary period or you get a warning or any it's just like if that money doesn't come in, you don't get paid, you don't pay your mortgage, you don't. So it was just that realism. And every step of the company, you know, we take on employees and it's like, it's not just me now. Like I've agreed to this risk, but now like there's people depending on me. And as the, every time the, the team grows, I do get stressed because mm. it's like, Whilst it's great, it's enabling us to do more. Actually, the minimum amount that we have to deliver every month goes up and up and up. You know, we'd now have to make sure there's enough money in the account to pay seven people a month to keep the equipment going, to keep investing into new stuff and everything. And to do that, you have to keep getting that work. So you just can't stop. Like it's mm. just non-stop. And you know, my partner would be the first to say that like, I just do not switch off. And it's hard. Um, and we're definitely in like an Instagram versus reality space as well, where it looks like, oh, amazing, they're out with Richard Hammond on a road trip to Scotland and da 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 da. But 
like no one actually sees the the weeks leading up to that of planning all of that making sure the sponsor has all of their bits in place getting all of the logistics permits this that the other the fact that actually we're driving for 12 hours that day filming yeah. get back then we need to offload footage charge equipment you know it's just it's relentless um and you know not just so grateful to the team you know they do an incredible job and yeah fortunately take a lot of that off of my shoulders nowadays but um they, we work so incredibly hard and yeah pe- people just don't don't see that side of things and yeah the, the stress levels and anxiety does does go up and up and up but you can't you can't let it dictate you know i well i can't let it dictate my life um because actually if i surrendered to it we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now. We wouldn't mm. have grown. We probably wouldn't be working with all these incredible people um, and stuff. So it's just something you have to manage and, dare I say, just just get on with because um, I'm not going to let it stop me um, yeah. because there's still so much I want to do. And do you know what? Like There is risks and everything else, but so far it's been bloody worth it. No, fantastic. And, and so what are the things you want to do, Nick? Because we, I mean, we talk about the fact you've got to this point now, you say you're working with Drive Tribe, OEMs and yeah. stuff. So, so what does the future look like for Centric CC? Yeah. And like, so for that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the the way I kind of described us so far was year one was sort of survival. Mm-hmm. Um, just let's get through it. Uh, year two was defining our proposition. Um, and part of that, you know, we've done a lot of work towards the end of last year. You know, it's no secret Drive Tribe is a huge client for us. And before the end of last year, it was so much so that actually if they turned the plug off, we'd be up shit's creek. Um, you know, yeah. there was too much of a dependence. So whilst it was great having that as uh, a single client that we work very well with and you know we do much more than video production with them and vice versa you know it's an incredible relationship um but there was that worry of do you know what if they switch this off where where we left you know we'll have to let people go and stuff like that so put a lot of work in towards the end of last year really pushing out to oems agencies brands manufacturers etc you know we we're now working a lot more spread across everything. Um, and yeah, so year two was just sort of getting that and year three now it's just been about, right, let's let's hammer it. Um, so we, we want to be the leading automotive video production company, um, really. And it's, yeah, I, I don't want it to come across arrogant because there are a lot of extremely talented people in this space you know the likes of kingdom creative for example i mean the stuff they're putting out it's just incredible but you know that's where we're heading um and likewise there's lots of just extremely talented freelancers and stuff which you know a lot of whom we work with you know we can't always mm. do everything ourselves so we do try and include freelancers where we can um, we you know we've built up some amazing relationships but essentially we want to be the go-to video production company for for anyone doing anything in automotive and already we're 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 known like people know who we are now which is fantastic um we're working with some of the biggest names out there um so we're doing very well but 
yeah, I just want that to continue. Um, and yeah, just really kind of own the space. And so, I mean, yes, yeah, it's great stuff. And so it has, I mean, it's interesting because has building a business always been at the back of your mind or is it something that you've now come up because you've taken this opportunity with, with Tom and you've gone, right, let's start something. Was there anything looking back at your younger you that was like, okay, cool. Like I can see why he might want to start a business or was that any, was it even a thought when you were, when you were younger? Yeah, I, th- I think it was always there. Um, it was always something I'd want to do, but I, I never had that self-confidence, you know, mm. you know, it doesn't happen to people like me. It goes back to that. You know, I, I'm not the person that can create a business. I'm a, I'm a good employee. Um, but as that confidence grew, you know, in all of the jobs leading up to where I am today, um, it become more and more apparent. You know, when when you're sat in a company and you're looking at things and it's not going the way you want and you're suggesting a better way and it's not being heard, you just think, well, I should just be doing this. And that that's kind of where I got to. Um, yeah. It's like I was proving myself whenever I was making decisions. I was incredibly successful in my employed career. Um, but I never had that final say. And yeah, by starting the business, it's it's enabled me to do that. So now if I think of something, uh, you know, I have Tom to, to chat to. Most of the time he agrees with me anyway. Uh, if we don't, I try to get my own way um, and just go ahead with it. And yeah, you know, we've, we've had to make some difficult decisions. And it's, it's nice having Tom as well because Tom is naturally... I'd say more risk averse than I am. You know, he he's looking to protect things a lot more, whereas I'm looking, well, actually, yeah, there's that risk that it can grow, but it's nice to have him to bounce off of um, because, yeah, if I then go too crazy, you know, he it's just that reality rounds, check yeah. of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it's been a good dynamic. And, yeah, he's been, you know, uh, so important to this whole thing as well, you know, from a creative point of view, I do not know still and being in the space for a a reasonable amount of time, never met anyone creatively as incredible as he is, you know, his mind is just another level. Um, So to have that leading our whole creative Mm -hmm. section of the business and having him to be the one to train up these other guys and everything else, you know, it it makes us a a, a force you know really worth reckoning um meanwhile i can just get on with the business side of things get all of that done he's very good at you know giving me you know freedom to just get on with it if i think it's right chances are it probably is um yeah between us you know we've built up something we're both you know incredibly proud of no it's brilliant so when it comes to i guess nick people coming to you with ideas and then you listening and hearing those is, is empowerment something you you like to give to your your like colleagues and co-workers and then when they come to ideas with you are you very open and receptive to that i guess 100 percent, 100 percent. we we always encourage ideation internally you know we have we have a a level of quality that we always have to hit you know even on lower budget stuff you know mm. we really struggle letting stuff go even if it costs us money we'd rather that then put something else you know out that we're not happy with um but when it comes to the creative you know we with existing clients we already have a, a look and feel we know what their brand is and everything else so we try to do it in accordance with that um but you know the guys that uh, you know we give them the time to go 
and go nuts you know mm. come up with new ideas and everything else and they do you know i remember when i was doing more of the video stuff every video i ever edited i always wanted to learn a new skill and we want them to do the same you know every time try something new even if it doesn't work try it we factor in the fact that you know what half a day of any edit that they do is just going to be a bit of trial and error and stuff yeah. and that's fine um and that's 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 how we grow and yeah we're we're very receptive to ideas not just from them but from clients as well um it's certainly one of the more frustrating elements of working on more of the commercial stuff with oems and that is we'll often do something that we're very proud of and then by the time it's gone through their revision cycle the end product you just think oh god that just looks so crap in comparison but you just you know unfortunately they're paying the bills and we can advise and everything as best we can um but yeah sometimes it is the case that yeah we end up with a slightly inferior product but you know that's well they're paying the invoices you can't complain <laughs> um, but uh yeah but no when it comes to the guys and Clark, like we always take on feedback and you know, mike's a good example of that as well with drive try like he you know he's a brilliant writer and everything else but he'll also sometimes just have a crazy idea of something that he wants seen in it and it's like Do you know what it's bonkers but yes i think it can work um and yeah we we, we just go with it no it's brilliant it's, it's stuff that i guess i wish when i when i look at employment it's the stuff that i want from an employer it's the thing is it's like people are more working to that now looking when it comes to looking for employment they're looking for people that that give them empowerment and give them like, like just let them run with with the job as well and i guess that's important to work with culture i guess isn't it to have that. yeah 100 100 percent. and that you know when it comes to recruiting the the team that like i i employ the people not the skill set every mm. time because the skills we can teach the attitude personality and everything you know that that's baked in um, and we have such uh, an amazing dynamic with all of our guys you know there's no there's no real hierarchy yes we've got to get jobs done and everything else and people you know need to do what they need to do but you know it's simple things you know if we're on a shoot a car needs to be cleaned and i'm the only one stood there with nothing to do i'm cleaning the car you know there's no get the other guys to it's just whatever needs to be done we pull together um and yeah, you know, we spend so much time together. More, you know, you spend a lot of time with your colleagues in most jobs, but with us, I mean, we just come back from, you know, four of us from Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, you know, we're literally living with one another for yeah. weeks at, at a time. And, you know, we just get on. Um, you know, we know what needs to be done and everything else. And that's just because we've got the right people. You know, I've got a team of really enthusiastic automotive nuts um who are also just completely dedicated to to the job the company Mm. they all understand you know they're all an integral part of this working without them it doesn't happen you know and we'd like to share that it's our company it's not mine and tom's it's it's all of ours and it's it's our journey it's our experiences and you know it's why we don't uh you know we've had clients before single out individuals of our team and stuff like that and you know on social posts and it's like no we are all centric you know yeah i might not have filmed this particular video uh but i produced it and everything else 
yes, Turner and Matt might have edited that one, but Tom directed it, etc. You know, it's it's all of our results. Mm. Um, so you know, all of our success is you know each and every one of us, not not any individual. No, it's, it's brilliant. It sounds like it's, it's it's clearly working very well in terms of what you're producing, what you're putting out there. And you've mentioned like obviously where you want the company to go, but personally, where where are your goals looking? And if I was to say to you like put Nick in the next five, 10 years, where would you like to be as a person, like family wise, like your like your personal life, like where is their goals for their you? Like Yeah, I I think for for me, um I want to still be doing what I'm doing. Um for one. I'm really enjoying it, really enjoying the journey. I'm loving watching the the team grow uh mm. and everything else. So I don't think I'd want to take any kind of backseat in that regard. However, you know, one thing that has taken a toll on this, you know, I, I'm i literally about to go on my first holiday since starting this nearly three years ago uh, yeah. in a few weeks. And I, I'm, I'm crapping myself. I don't want to leave the business. Um, you know, the one thing it has absorbed is just me and my time. And, you know, the, the people closest to me are the ones that are suffering. You know, my partner, bless her, she's, you know, she's, on her own for so much of the time I'm constantly away I come back uh, the laptop's out I'm doing a bit of work even when the laptop's away you can just I'm thinking what's next um and I've just been so absent um and that extends like extends to all of my family you know Mm. I don't see my mum enough or or anything else like that uh and I feel incredibly guilty but at the same time I, I still feel this needs me at the moment so longer term I would like to be able to free up more time um love to build the team up to a point where I don't feel like I'm as integral um which will be hard because I'm a bit of a control freak and I like to know what's going on and but I think for my own health and mm. you know the certainly for for those closest to me I need to yeah free up more time spend less time doing um and just kind of yeah step into a more overseeing role um just so yeah i can get a bit of a life back um don't get me wrong i absolutely love it and i I still wouldn't change it sort of thing at the moment um because i i know the importance but i do know the effects it's having on others and that's always at the back of my mind and yeah like you know tonight i'll probably end up going home late again and then it'll be oh god dinner's late or i've missed it etc and it's just yeah uh, it's it's not fair um and then the time i do spend with people i'm never completely present at the moment and that's something i yeah i really desperately need to work on so yeah longer term if i can yeah have some more free time and free headspace um yeah that that would be great. So, so if you, I mean, if you then, I guess, go on this holiday and you like, I'm just want to pose this question because I, I quite I find it quite interesting. The answer, if you couldn't go back to centric and like you, they wouldn't let you through the doors, you couldn't get back into the business. Like, do you think the business would still be like able to run? Not at the moment. Not at it's the like, moment. There's too okay. much. That's not to be arrogant, but there, there's there's too much that I do. Yeah. I do. Um, so when we've grown the team, um, strategically, we've ended up growing the creative side, you know, the, the side that's bringing the money in. Um, 
our last hire originally was going to be someone more on my side of the business. However, we just ended up having this influx of work for January, which we've never seen before. It's always been a quiet month. Um, so it's like, we need more creative again. Um, but with Eve coming to do some of the marketing stuff, I'm sure there's other bits and crossover of some of my role, which we can probably uh, share out and hopefully that that kind of helps free up some of that time. But yeah, right now the business is not in a position where I could step away. Um, but yeah, it will be nice to at some point get to that stage. And, you know, that's probably part of the five-year plan is making sure that I don't, I'm not so integral and it can still function without me because it needs to, because God forbid if anything was to happen to me or anything else like that, um, you never know this day and age, um, you know, someone will need to be able to pick up and keep it going because I don't want the whole thing going down because because no. I have. Um, but yeah, that that's certainly something we need to work on. No, it's just it's just funny yeah because i just hear you talk about how integral you are and and the, the role you play and it's like it's funny because if, if you did disappear tomorrow and like the company would probably be fine like it would probably find its feet but it's it's i guess it's the amount of like passion and time and investment you have in the business that's that gets you your view of it is like well no the, the company would stop because i'm not there yeah yeah i think it's more i don't think it's you couldn't find someone to do it it's more just the processes procedures yeah. the access and stuff like that just it's not in place um you know it's not me being arrogant that i am the only one that can do it it's just yeah right now you know the bank's linked to my phone and like everything you know it's just it's not it's not kind of spread fully yet um but yeah we we do desperately need to kind of work on that side of things but yeah um the main thing there that if i come back and wasn't allowed back in i, I that's that's one of my biggest things at the moment is do you know if this doesn't work at some point or anything else or it gets bought out or something like that like what do i do like i don't know what's next for me um because yeah this really is my life at the moment yeah and so you, you're not thought about then what's next like if you you know i thought past no, I think I still, I'm still not finished. Um, and I like to finish things. Um, so this is not quite where I want it yet. I, you know, I deem it as a mild success story so far, but like this is not where I vision it being yet. Um, so until that's done, like, I don't have the headspace to think of that next thing just yet. Um, just want to get this one done first. No, it's brilliant because if you want that goal of the, the biggest automotive creative company in the world, you, you need to have that mindset. That That's the mindset you need to have is that it's not done. It never will be done because it's not done until you are sitting on top of that figurative throne, I guess. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, should that day come about, then maybe it's time to look at what the, the next challenge is then. Um, but yeah, I think we've got some way yeah, and I've got a bit of a journey ahead of me um, for, before we get there. Yeah, and do you have an idea of what it looks like then? Because you've got this thought of being number one. Like, what does number one look like for you? Uh, essentially, uh, our manufacturer is launching a car. They contact us, you know, mm. straight away. Like, we need video assets for this, this, and this. Uh, someone has uh, a new automotive YouTube channel with some budget. They've 
got some commercial relationships. That's part of the problem with the YouTube side of things is the ad revenue alone does not cover yeah. what we do. Um, so it needs to be channels that are more switched on, such as Drive Tribe, who do bring in these sponsors and everything else. So you know that enables that the level of production we offer and everything else. But if someone else comes up with something like that, they pick up the phone to us. You know, someone just needs a hand with shooting, contact Centric, see if they've got a guy for it. But I just want us to be at the forefront of everyone's minds mm. when this stuff comes. You know, when it comes to, you know, we were fortunate enough to do the um, Motor Film Awards last year. We had one of our um, items nominated. And, you know, Centric Creative had one. But then you looked at your kingdoms and stuff, you had four or five different nominate you know i want more of our stuff mm. in there you know i want more of it being considered for being at the top of its class um and yeah just kind of just working on more cool things I mean, one bit we didn't really um touch on um i guess was the video with uh richard hammond in uh the tree and the, the story from his coma mm. um which was like a real standout moment last year for us capturing that. Um, so talk about, you know, 10 year old me or 10 years ago me, like would I have ever considered that I would be on a peak in the Lake District with Richard Hammond recounting that story um, and just, yeah, this blows blows my mind um when you you think about that but you know whilst that wasn't automotive what that did do was just show how great and sort of how powerful a good story with a decent production uh can be you know that that went completely viral hit you know every bloody news outlet in the world yeah. and everything else and the coverage that got like, i want more of that and all the while you could watch that on any news feed, and you would never have known we existed yeah. <laughs> in that and even though we pulled that together produced it uh shot it etc um you know but we were non-existent but just yeah just having that reach to people like it just blows my mind you know i think we done the the sums and last year uh, we had over 75 million views on our content that we could quantify so yeah. that could have been over a hundred million of stuff we couldn't quantify uh and that just blows my mind like stuff we are doing is being seen by that many people mm. you know i i hate public speaking and speaking to a crowd of like 200 yeah. and stuff you know the thought of it terrifies me and i i'm a mess but knowing that actually we've hit 75 million plus people last year with stuff that we've created it's just incredible and you know i'd love for that number to just explode further yeah because i guess that doesn't include the um the repurposing of that content as well and that doesn't include the, the different edits people have made and whatnot so it's yeah I mean, exactly you, yeah you could be looking at billions but but yeah it's it's, it's, it's a thing that you think of that like you've created this content and I'm, I'm the same with that like i, I started creating more content and the production levels crap <laughs> because <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing but and that's a that's a good point like what is the advice that you'd give to someone that's just starting out like, what would you uh, tell them is, is integral to, to starting a decent or just having basic content creation skills? 
just just actually starting so yeah. you 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 joke there about putting out crap content um you know one part of the story i didn't really go into was creating a youtube channel uh at okay. some point um so when i was running the car clubs and everything else um but also pre-working in this space um I stumbled across it was Sam through Sing Through Glasses video. Mm. I was looking at Alpha Romeo Four Cs at the time, so just intrigued by them. And he had one, and it opened my eyes to that whole YouTube space. To be honest, because prior to that, I, didn't, I was an automotive enthusiast, watching Top Gear and all the rest of it, but I never knew this YouTube thing, you know, and cars like people owning cars and yeah. documenting it. I just didn't know it was a thing. Um, and, you know, part of the reason I ended up in that car club and then meeting Paul and everything else was the fact that I started my own YouTube channel. Mm. And the idea behind it, it was actually just to build my self-confidence, you know, because I was doing a lot of public speaking with my job and, I, you know, I was just a mess. Um, and I thought, you know what, like that could help do it. And it, it did slowly and everything else. Yeah. But I think the important thing there was, the production wasn't great or anything else you know I, I was okay um but I was doing it and mm. you know what that then led to opportunity which led to another opportunity and stuff and before you know I was doing a few bits with brands and everything else on my own little channel um and stuff like that so my advice would just be to do it pick up the camera don't don't think you need you know the latest and greatest cameras and stuff like that just your phone is more than adequate these days to actually create stuff. And if you really want to do it, you will keep going. Try and employ the, the method of learning something new on an edit each time. Just learn a new technique. Watch lots of other people's content. See what they're doing. Break it down. How are they doing that? Um, and just keep at it. Um, mm. But yeah, I see so many people that want to do it they buy all of the stuff they do a couple of videos realize it's hard and then give up and it's you know you've got to really want to do it because it is very hard um and yeah if you've got the commitment just keep at it and yeah the opportunities will come and jump on them you know don't yeah. be afraid take, take the leaps you know, the amount of leaps i've had to take for centric uh and every single time that you know I, I don't sleep for a week afterwards but everyone is it's paid off and you know what if it didn't it would just be a lesson you know let's see lots of linkedin posts about you know there aren't mistakes there's only lessons learned but it's true you know if if you ball some up you ain't gonna do it again so um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you've not failed you've learned or if you have failed what you learned from it and it's just uh, stuff yeah. like that it's not viewing failure as a as a full stop it's a comma i guess is, is, yeah. is the phrase isn't it that it doesn't exactly. end with your failure. It's just the next thing and it's, it's moving on. Exactly. It's just that lesson learned. Um, we know we ain't going to make that mistake again. Move on. Mm. So. And, and I know I'm sort of coming towards the end here, but there are sort of like five questions I, I asked towards the end yeah. of the podcast. And the first of those being, what is your ultimate three car garage? Uh, I reckon... Probably a Range Rover of some description as a daily, um, mm -hmm. just because I'm getting old. Uh, Ferrari 355 has always been like my, my dream car. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be the, the special one. Uh, and then, I don't know, probably something like an M2 or something like that, just for that I can take 
on track, but also drive over to the Nurburgring because I love doing that. Um, so it's comfy enough to do do both jobs. So yeah, I reckon we're yeah, quite a modest three car garage. I think it's funny you mentioned the M2, not the uh, Z4. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, well, it's because in that world, uh, the Z4 at the moment. I mean, it literally is my Nürburgring car. It sits in the garage and just goes to the Nürburgring a few times a year and that's it. Um, but the M2 would be better at the Nürburgring. I'd have a comfy daily and I've got my special car for the odd occasion. So yeah, in that world, I I think the Ferrari and the M2 take over the job of the Z4. No, bro. And the next question is, if you could drive any car on any road or track, but you don't get to do it once. Where would you go and what would you take? Mm. that's a hard one though maybe the new gordon murray t50 because if it's if it's anything or got any of the dna of the old mclaren f1 um mm. then yeah i think that would be a, a great experience and it would have to be the nurburgring because i just absolutely love it yeah, it's funny because you mentioned the McLaren F1 and I watched a video that like the servicing costs of what a McLaren F1 costs to service. <laughs> I think it put me off as ever, even if I could ever afford one. Like the, the <laughs> yeah. thing is something stupid, like £10,000 every three miles, like it works out as or something Jesus. ridiculous like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Basically don't drive it. Um, these, the next yeah. couple of questions that are, are more sort of, I guess, based around the podcast and the DNA of that being that, this is a this is a podcast to show you what you can do with your passion. So the, one of the next questions is, is, if money wasn't an object and you could do anything, any job, any vocation, any like career path, what would you do? Do you know what? Like, I don't want this to sound incredibly cliche, but what I'm doing now, um, mm. because I get to meet some of the most incredible people in the world i get to drive some incredible cars it's just a space that i'm so passionate about um and yeah that i I don't think i'd want to you know when i said earlier i i don't know what would be next it's because Mm. i am thoroughly enjoying what i'm doing and it's it's ticking off so many boxes for you know i love the running the company like i know it's stressful and everything else but i almost thrive on a bit of stress um the the people the car yeah just everything we're doing at the moment is just so much fun um i'd like to be able to progress it a bit more spend a bit more money on equipment and stuff yeah. like that so i think that's where i yeah utilize the the resource is just plowing a bit more into it so we can just do cooler things with cooler people <laughs> yeah so, so if you could like not take a salary from this and put it back into the company would you do that uh, if i could not take a salary for well that's basically what i'm doing yeah i, I take i take the minimum amount out to live um yeah, you know i have a very modest lifestyle like my only luxury really is having my car which yeah again just doesn't I, drive, I kick around on the Twitter, I go most of the time. In fact, actually, we've got this press loan for the MSRT van, so that's my my daily at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, so yeah, like I'm not motivated by money, really. Um, I like the, the freedoms it can afford you, but as long as I can pay my bills, like, 
you know, I'm quite, quite happy just ticking along. Um, and I get a lot of my experience from the job. You know, yeah. you know, a lot of people go on holiday for their experiences and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, one of the fortunate things is we get to do cool things and travel daily anyway. So, um, yeah. It's that cliche, isn't it? If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So there is, there is that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. And the next question, Nick, is um, is, what would the advice be that would give to a, a younger you or someone that wants to pursue something with their passion? I think you might have answered it earlier, but we'll, we'll, we might. Have, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, to to be honest, just just go for it. Um, don't 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 be misled. Um, you know at the end of the day what you want to do and yeah like it's possible um it's not easy um but if you really want something and you work hard enough i'm a true believer that you you can get it you know Mm. if 10 years ago you told me i'd be running this company working with the the trio and everything else it's just not possible but the reality is it was you know, I didn't yeah. need to go to uni. I didn't need to work on Top Gear or the Grand Tour. Like, you know, I just needed to maximise on every opportunity that presented itself and work really hard. Um, so if you want something, there's no excuses. Go go get it. Brilliant. And the, the last question, Nick, is um, would you love most about cars? Uh, I think it's the complexity of them. Um, you know, especially from a filming point of view, filming cars versus any other discipline, mm. uh, I believe is one of the most difficult. You know, it's the the risks involved. There's so much that can go wrong. There's so many variables. Um, you know, if you're working on a track, there's the, the whole safety element and stuff versus filming a, a house, for example, that doesn't yeah. move. Um, but yeah, I think it's just all of the intricacies and the complexities and like certainly at the moment we're we're moving to a very new world with the electrification and stuff like that and i think things will change um a fair bit um but you know every car has a character you know you you v8 e92 m3 versus my z4 for example, just different sound a different feel the power delivery is different just you know there's just so many bits that make cars so unique mm. in just their experience to look at to to feel enjoy um and yeah it just makes it exciting because yeah, no two cars are the same even two of the identical cars could have had a different life and they will drive differently you know they yeah. just have that unique element about them um and yeah i just yeah it's always appealed to me of someone who's always liked variety and yeah cars certainly give you that Brilliant. And Nick, well, thank, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure to get to learn a bit more about you, your journey, and, and where you see Centric and your life heading. It's, it's exciting, and I, I can't wait to see where it goes. But yeah, thank you for t- thank, thank you for being on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me on, honestly. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, I've enjoyed the podcast so far and look forward to uh, future episodes. No, thank you very much. Yeah, cool. Now, hearing from Nick was amazing, and his story of going through anxiety and being a real advocate for working hard reminds me of sitting down with the CEOs, MDs and business owners I have previously. And there's one thing I want you to remember from Nick, that it is possible. If you have an idea that you want to make work, it's only down to you and how much effort you want to put in. That dream and how prepared you are is all that matters. After all, you should be prepared to risk it all for a life worth living. That being said, I'm Harry and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening.